Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Today's podcast is sponsored by June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game which transports you into a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance set in the glamorous 1920s. You'll play as June Parker as she embarks on a quest to solve her sister's murder. But that's not all. You'll let your imagination run wild as you get to customize your own luxurious estate island with expensive gardens and beautiful buildings. So, can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On, the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts, and this week, who knew Bachelor Number 1 was a serial killer? We'll look at Wondery's Dating Game Killer. Then a review of the Netflix adaptation of the best-selling true crime book, the scripted film called Lost Girls. Joining me to get that done and more is my real-life husband and true crime co-author, former TV journalist, and my quarantine buddy, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is journalist, true crime author, former defense investigator, licensed private investigator, and our favorite certified cat lady, Laura Bricker. Hello. Yeah, I am into cat yoga now. Oh, so um, I am moving up in the... Oh, cat <laughs> yoga. It's a thing at my house now every day. All right. And finally, our captain of woke cynicism, the author behind the noir novels known as the City Trilogy, and our Patreon book club host, Toby Ball. Good evening, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. I just want to get some business quickly out of the way because we have a lot to talk about tonight, uh, including some stuff around what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Business. Right now on our Patreon is a brand new episode of Married with Podcast. And also right now on our Facebook page and group, we are doing f- like four times a week live videos with each of us. Tonight, Kevin and I, before we tape the show, hosted a live call-in show via video on our Facebook page and Facebook group. So if you're just looking for some company, uh, either join our Patreon to get our extra content or join us on our Facebook page and group to see our live videos. We're doing them several nights a week. and the It's live- Monday through Thursday yeah. at 7 p.m. Yeah. Unless we forget. Yes. So it's going to be- Eastern time. Eastern time, yes. So it's going to be me on Monday, Toby on Tuesday, unless he forgets. Yeah. Laura on Wednesday, and then Rebecca on Thursday. Which might also be you, because I'm super busy. Yeah. Uh, but we did a live call-in show tonight on Thursday, and it was so fun. We talked to several fans and heard how we're doing in this time, um, and it was really, really fun. So join us on Facebook. 
Join our Patreon. However you wanted to subscribe there is great. You get tons of extra content. We will make it worth your while. Tonight on our Patreon after show, which drops at the same time as this show, so you can listen to it right now, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about how we're all coping with our self-isolation and how we feel about what's happening in the world and sharing some coping tips. Um, but before we start the show, Laura, I have a question for you. How is your son doing? Last week, um, we heard he had gone to the emergency room and was flown to Boston Children's Hospital. That's flown. Driven. How is he doing right now? He's doing well. Thank you for all the well wishes. And I just want to clarify, this was before we were all isolated in our homes. It was actually like probably the last normal day we had before all the shit hit the fan in the world out there. Um, so he came home on Saturday. He's doing pretty well. He ended up, you know, with four broken ribs and a deflated punctured lung but he he's doing okay and uh he was starting to eye some equipment outside about like build a skateboard ramp outside no. when he came home and i was like no fucking way no nope. you need to give me like a, a little bit of time to recover from this episode so right now we have a little carport under the carport is all this wood and drill and i'm like Oh no! No! <laughs> I didn't think he got hit on his head. I know. Sounds I was like, like he did, oh God! Well, you know what though? I was kind of worried. I was like, oh, this is something he really enjoyed doing, and I thought maybe he wouldn't want to do it again after this. But clearly, he's um, ready to get back out there. So, <laughs> well, he's got his mom's resilience. That's for damn sure. Yep. How so, many times were um, you thrown off a horse, Laura, and then got back on? Many, many times. Yep. And I can point to sections on my body. Actually, I have a section of my leg that's like the nerves got damaged because I hit a truck. A horse ran me into a truck. I can't even feel it anymore. Hmm. So, uh, And I'm still here. So still uh, here. he's got some of that stubbornness with, with him. We know Will a little bit. He joins yep. us at our beach house in the summer, usually for a dinner. Yep. And he, if, if there ever was a little boy that Laura Bricker deserved to have in her life... <laughs> <laughs> That could potentially talk, even talk, out talk his mother. It would be. It's Will. Little Will. He's the best. I, I have to tell you, actually, when we were in the emergency room, one of the nurses came up to me and they said, boy, that boy in there is asking a lot of questions. And he's he's like really getting very informed about what's happening. I was like, oh, yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. <laughs> well, uh, we should acknowledge we are taping this show. And Kevin, I know that you don't like it when I do this, but I think right now it's important because of the changing circumstances in the world. We're taping the show on Thursday, March 19th. It's going to come out on Monday. There's an excellent chance that things will be very different even on Monday than they are now because they are changing daily and getting worse. And what we're supposed to be doing, you know, in terms of having contact with people and going outside and all that stuff is changing. It seems by the hour, but it's changing incredibly rapidly. But as we tape this, our state is pretty much shut down. Schools are closed. Colleges are closed. My son's home from GW for the rest of the semester. His girlfriend's home from UNH for the rest of the semester. Kevin's daughter is home from Keene State College the rest of the semester. Teddy's out of school temporarily in quotes, but very likely for the rest of the year. Uh, we are all working from home, Kevin. As you announced last week, you quit your jobs. So you were going to work home from anyway, but I am now permanently working at home. So I thought I have the house to myself. I know um, everybody's here. Your your plan to just like hang out in your PJs all day and watch <laughs> dirty videos has been ruined. Damn it. Um, but I'm just curious to know. I mean, I feel very fortunate. I mean, the four of us, we you know have wonderful families, kids, spouses. I think a lot about people who are are more isolated. Uh, I think a lot about people who are more vulnerable populations. And I think a lot about people who are two household, you know, two parent working households or one parent working households who have little kids who are now going to have to like 
educate them in addition to trying to get their jobs. And there's a lot going on. I just want to briefly check in with each of you and just see how you're doing uh, to kick off the show tonight. Toby, how are you and what is going on with you? Uh, yeah, so very similar to you. Uh, my son is back from college for the semester. Uh, he's actually, they're on spring break right now, but he's had meetings. He's TAing a class and like trying to figure out how to be a teacher's assistant for distance learning um, and using Zoom and stuff like that. And then my daughter also, you know, she's in high school. Uh, so I think they're, you know, officially out for like three weeks, but, you know, they're not going to go back. So she's starting to do today was her first day of, of online classes. So we're all here. Uh, we got like just an insane amount of food in our refrigerator uh, and freezer. And, you know, we're pretty much doing what they tell you to do. When we go out, you know, we've got on a lot of sort of like, you know, nature walk type stuff. We're, we're fortunate that there's a lot of trails through woods and along, you know, the bay and, and we're pretty close to the beach. Uh, so there's a lot of places you can walk and just get outside without being close to people. I've been throwing around the football quite a bit with my son and my arm hurts so much right now <laughs> yeah. that I was glad it rained today and I didn't have to do that. Um, so that's that's sort of the, the long and short of it on my end. How are you feeling, though? Are you scared? I don't know. It just, you know, it, it's hard to know how to really feel about it. And, you know, in some ways, I think it's hard to, you know, how are you realistic about this? Yeah. Like, how can you anticipate what it's going to be like? Because you take a look at sort of what's going on in places where it hit like a couple of weeks before us, and it's not great. No. You know? Yeah. And, it, and you try to sort of like, what if that was going on here? And are we doing things that we need to do to mitigate that situation or alleviate it as much as possible? And at least the answer from my observation is some people yes, some people definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary in that it's hard to know what to expect except for, you know, what you see. Right. You hope that we don't, that region of Italy isn't suddenly become our entire country. But I guess we'll probably know in a couple of weeks. Might be by Monday when this podcast drops. Laura, how are you doing? You feeling all right? Um, well, I, I've been pretty stressed out. I have to say when all of this came to a head and I realized like this is real and life is really changing really quickly. It was like kind of like, I don't know, my head was spinning because I was like, this is just happening so fast. Like the news cycle is so fast. It's changing so much. And I was still in Boston. I'm lucky, you know, I've been working from home exclusively for the last four years. So I was already set up for that. So that part of my schedule hasn't changed. The biggest thing for me is that, um, you know, most of you already know this. I am a huge extrovert. So I am dying what? without... Oh my God, the, the social part of this, I am dying. So I, because yeah, I've been working from home, but I have my little routine. Like I go to the coffee shop every morning. I go to my yoga class. I go to the gym. I go rage walking with my friends. So that has been the biggest thing, trying to sort of adjust to that. Um, now I'm converting half of my office into like a home fitness studio at this point, because I've decided like yoga and things like that, like the streaming videos that you can do online are what's going to sort of save my sanity. Yeah. And it's sort of comforting to have like somebody, you know, on the other side of that video, as opposed to like some random one that you find on like Amazon Prime. Um, so I've been doing that. I've been doing a lot of walking. Ken and I took a huge walk the other day out in some trails that we have here in town. Um, also this week, New Hampshire. This is very exciting. New Hampshire. 
our governor approved a, like he did an executive order for takeout beer and wine. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and uh, so I went and uh, I got some wings and wine this week and um, from one of the restaurants that a friend of mine owns. And I just felt like, you know, if we can support our local community like that, anything I can do locally to kind of, you know, keep any money staying within our local community so that when we come out the other side of this, those businesses are still there. And um the other thing, people, I'm going to be cooking a turkey this weekend. Yes. It's going to be like Thanksgiving. Um, mm. You know, when they have all those sales and you buy that turkey and you put it in your freezer, like an extra one, you're like, yeah, I'm going to buy that turkey. And then it's like, when the hell am I going to cook a turkey? Are you going to well, take the moose meat out of the freezer and <laughs> do something with I'm, that? Um, I'm not that desperate yet, but some of you who watched my live Facebook this week, um, Fireman Ken did have some spam that he purchased for a his moose hunting trip last year, and Young Will opened it up today. Today, so this weekend we're gonna have to cook some spam. Spam and eggs, um, man. That's what Ken said. I've heard that it's good if you slice it and fry it. So it is. we're gonna have some spam this weekend. Um, so that's that's kind of what's going on here. I was just gonna say we had a friend. Uh, who used to make spam d'oeuvres, he'd call them. <laughs> all kinds of little spam delicacies. Get that recipe. We'll put it on our uh, Facebook group and we'll yeah. share it with everyone. Yeah. All right. So, Kevin, why don't we save the rest of this conversation for our, our Patreon after show, just for okay. time? Sure. I want to know how you're doing. I really do. I just want to give a spoiler alert. You could alert. ask before now. just want to give a spoiler alert. I had a very Handmaid's Tale moment today that I'm going to share in the Patreon after show. Okay. Okay? And will we also talk about the newest addition to our house? We'll talk about the newest addition to our family. Here's a hint. It's a boy. It has four legs. <laughs> All right. We'll talk about that in the Patreon after show. All right, you guys ready to discuss the topic at hand? Let's do it. Let's get some arguments going. Here we go. In our new Hollywood and crime series, we're uncovering the twisted secret life of one of America's most prolific serial killers, Rodney Alcala, also known as the Dating Game Killer. One night in 1978, America watched Cheryl Bradshaw select one of the bachelors in the dating game. The contestant quizzed all three men, but had the most chemistry with bachelor number one. A bachelor number one. I am serving you for dinner. Oh. <laughs> what are you called and what do you look like? I'm called the banana and I look really good. Uh, can you be a little more descriptive? Peel me. Rodney Alcala went home with the girl, but it was not his first time in the spotlight. No one had checked to see that Alcala was a convicted child rapist, a former FBI most wanted fugitive, and would go on to be one of America's most prolific serial killers. The Rodney they knew was incapable of such a heinous act. He was friendly and engaging, dated frequently and hung out with friends, no different from any other guy his age. One of his professors summed up the consensus among faculty and peers. Rodney Alcala wouldn't hurt a fly. Using the host and production style of their Hollywood and crime podcast, Wondery presents The Dating Game Killer. The six-part series walks listeners through Alcala's many murders, convictions, reversals, reconvictions, and it's told in a style more like an audiobook than a conventional investigative podcast. Spoiler alert, we will be talking about plot points from the first four episodes of The Dating Game Killer. So to get our spoiler-free review, go to the time code listed in our show notes. 
Now, Kevin, let's talk about the format. I actually think a lot of our conversation is going to be about format and style as opposed to case and substance. I hope it isn't. Okay, but let's do talk about the format because it is different than most of the things we've ever reviewed on this show. That's true. It's different than things that we've listened to on the podcast. This is the format of the show, Hollywood and Crime, and it's a docudrama, so their style is not like an investigative podcast. They're not doing interviews. There's not a lot of archival tape. In this case, they do have the dating game Yeah. show audio from the telecast. Which you know they paid for, I hope. Well, it's on YouTube, so I'm sure they did. I mean, it's Wondery, man. They got money. And so I I don't want to knock the content for this style because it's something we're unfamiliar with. But it is set up more like, you're right, like an audio book than it is a conventional podcast. They are trying to tell a story and they're trying to do it in a very uh, narrative way. So things that we would ding other podcasts for, you know, I I don't know if we can ding them here. They use sound effects. I mean, that's the conceit. They're not putting sound effects in a journalistic piece. Right. Uh, Once I kind of got over that and that, okay, this is the way this series has gone and this style of podcast, I could focus more on what was happening. Toby, your notes uh, start with a question. Is this really a podcast? What did you mean by that? (laughs) You know, I think we have certain expectations, or at least I do, about what a podcast is, especially a true crime podcast. And, you know, they don't all have to be the same, And I, but there are certain things... Like there's a different couple different kinds. Like there's there's kind of like ours, uh, true crime obsessed, and you know there's a ton of them, where it's it's people kind of talking about crimes. A panel. Yeah, it's a panel. So it's it's a conversation, and then there's more journalistic stuff, or even stuff that isn't like sort of investigative journalism, but is sort of trying to build a story with you know archival footage and interviews with people who are there. And things like that. And I think what they both have is sort of a level of specificity of detail. Even ones that we don't really like seem to try and really get into the details of what's happening. Like it's not it's not like generality after generality after generality. And, you know, a thing that I had a hard time with this podcast, you know, and part of it is the format, which is just that they're just sort of reading this, I don't, you know, it, it feels like a synopsis of a book, maybe, you know, the kind of synopses you sometimes have to write for publishers that are like 25 pages where mm. it's, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, but you don't do any characterization or, or anything like that. It kind of feels like that because there's nothing really specific. It's just all this sort of, this happens, and she was thinking this, and then this happened or whatever, but you never get much in the way of details, I guess. And that's what usually in podcasts seems to draw people into the story. So I guess that, that that's kind of what I meant. It's not just it's not just the format of them just reading. It's just missing all the things that kind of feel to me make podcasts different from audiobooks. Yeah. And this seems like an audiobook of somebody reading like a pretty detailed book proposal mm. rather than an actual book. Yeah. Thoughts, Lar? It's like a Harlequin romance true crime book being read aloud. <laughs> that's that's all I could think because like the writing to me bothered me so much in this because it was so fucking cheesy. Like just the way that they described things and read them, I was like, oh, God, this is awful. Donald Haynes glanced down at his watch as he did every few minutes. It was a little after 8 a.m. on Wednesday, September 25th, 1968. 
He sighed as he looked through the windshield at the traffic inching forward on Sunset Boulevard. It was a daily routine, and knowing he'd given himself enough time to get to work didn't make the stop and go any less irritating. So I had a really hard time following this podcast because of the format and because of the writing, because it was like the writing was just like, as I said, and then the the voices, the way that the delivery was done in this sort of highly stylized format, their voices were like so evenly modulated that I almost sometimes felt like I was listening to like a hypnosis CD or something because I'd be going along and I'd be like, what just happened? Did something happen? What's happening in this story? Because I just, I couldn't follow the story. And it was unfortunate because I think this is an interesting story and I think this is a really interesting case, but just the delivery for me was just so like bland mm. that I just couldn't follow along. And I, I actually had to go online to kind of figure out what was happening because I was like, I don't know what just happened, but something. I, I do think that a, couple, a lot of your confusion was probably around the time jumps. Yes. That they make in the show. It goes forward and back and forward and back and forward and back and back and back and forward and forward and back and back. And the use of tenses changes frequently in the podcast. It's past tense, past tense, present tense in the scene. Past tense, past tense. She did this, she did this, she did this. Shifting narrator. Yeah, and then like, she's here, she thinks, she does. It's confusing. Kevin, what were you going to say? I was going to say, Toby had a problem with it with the generality. And actually, I, I had a problem the opposite. I thought it was almost too specific. I agree. And there's an awful lot of, um, as you say, interiority. Yes. What people are thinking, and the nonfiction writers here know this, you can't write what somebody thinks. It's not, it's not allowed. It's not allowed. Now, it's different if in writing, in construction of the writing, somebody says something, and that the way you write it is you say they thought that. I mean, like, you say, oh, like if, if somebody says, oh, I was really afraid but that something bad was going to happen to that guy, you can write it saying he thought something bad was going to happen to that guy. Or, you know, you can use it like that because you're not putting thoughts in somebody's head or attributing something. It's hard to know. You can't know what somebody is thinking. It's not just thinking. Actually, they have that with the, doing, too. They have yeah, but little that, details. That's actually the basis for the landmark libel case, Times versus Sullivan, is that the uh, the ad was about what somebody was thinking. Right. And you can't say that. So there's a lot of, you know, the 12-year-old girl thought this and then she didn't. You know, some of that I was like, all right, you can take authorial privilege in a lot of, you know, this narration. I know that in my past books, I was allowed to do that. But as time went on, they pushed back on that and they want the editors and publishers didn't want so much of that. If you read a Joseph Wambach book, you know, from the 70s, those true crime, like The Onion Field, it's just all like a screenplay. Yeah. And there's no fucking way you can know what these cops were saying and whatnot. But I digress. I am I, I am troubled a little bit by that. How do you know that when you wrote that? Well, maybe I, you do. Maybe there are police reports and interviews that substantiate that. But they don't say but that. Some of it, yeah. Yeah. Some of it feels a little like I'm just saying this to make it better. That is my question here. Because I actually I have I have actually a serious question because I suspect I mean, I found myself wondering. I don't want to say that I suspect it's true, but I found myself wondering whether or not this podcast is an adaptation of a true crime book. And I actually mm -hmm. came home to you, Kevin, after listening to episode one, and I was like, if Wondery is doing this, maybe we should pitch them the IP for our true crime books for podcast series. Because we've already done the reporting of what people did and what they thought. And because we, cause we did all the interviews and they told us what they thought or because we read police reports. This is now like a narrated version of that, but they don't source any of it and it's not credited. And as to what Kevin was saying, just so our listeners know, like when you're writing nonfiction, 
when he talks about interiority or even dialogue, you can't make it up unless you have some documentation or someone tells you that they said something specific. This podcast does it all the time. The woman finds the body you know, next to the road. She goes back. She washes, splashes cold water in her face. She stares at herself in the mirror. Then she puts her head under the faucet and drinks the water. It's like... You don't unless she told you that you don't know that, and if she told you that, but those are facts that could be substantiated at trial, right? If that was her testimony, it could be. Those could but be someplace that's not sourced in the podcast. It's not sourced anywhere. But it's a docudrama, so it doesn't need to be. Well, I have a second, but I just wanted to give an example. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you and I wrote a scene with a ton of interiority in our book, Dark Heart, mm-hmm. and I don't remember if it ended up in the book or not. I apologize. I've <laughs> read it in a long time, but we had this one incredible piece of uh, written. Basically, testimony, which was Lizzie Marriott, the victim in that case, wrote a detailed Facebook post when she got home one night after mm-hmm. driving from school to her right. aunt and uncle's house, where she said, I was driving home. It was dark. I was scared. I saw this. I saw that. And then when I drove up to the house, I saw this thing looming in the darkness. And I thought this and I saw that. And so we wrote a scene. And it was like, she thought this. She saw that. And the editor was like, you can't know that. And I was like, aha. I actually can because she actually wrote it down. That is so rare. It just doesn't happen. So even if this was based on a book, like the sourcing of it, I would ask questions about. I mean, I would. All that being said, I do disagree with the three of you in one thing. I actually found this sort of trashy entertaining. I'm sorry. I did. You found it trashy entertaining too? I, yeah, I don't you think You have it's confession ba- face on. I don't think it's that bad, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Toby uh, was like, I thought this is worse than the thing we listened uh, to last week. I was I like- I didn't like it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I mean, I don't think it's good. Like, I can't tell people it's good, but I'm also, like, not hating it. It's just trashy. Toby, what do you think to, when you hear me say that I found it trashy entertaining? Does it make you not want to be friends with me anymore? <laughs> You know, I I don't I don't judge. <laughs> and part of it is this is not like the right week to be listening to something that is not sort of inherently like catching your attention all the time. Yeah. Because you know, there's so much other stuff going on that it's like you're in the middle. Of, you know, you're listening and it's like blah blah. blah. You're like, what just happened? Yeah, I mean, I think, it, and you guys put your finger on something that that I think was bugging me, and I think I might have put a note like, "How do they know this?" In that they're 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 kind of specific about things that you wonder how they knew, and then they're not specific about stuff that would have been super easy to find out if they wanted to, and they wouldn't have to source. Like what? Oh, just about anything. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, just for instance, when they talk about like when Rodney is on the dating game and he gets kind of stood up by that woman and they, they kind of have this little like, well, she thought he was kind of creepy backstage. And mm-hmm. that could be, you know, in the hands of somebody else, you know, that can be insightful. You know, that can be an insight into what somebody thought about him when she was actually confronted with the idea of like spending some time with him, like an adult woman. Like, I don't know if there's more information about that, but it seems like there would be. Yeah. So it's just things like that where it seemed like, well, you probably could have gotten something out of that, or you could have gotten something a little more out of the dating game tape, except for this tiny little bit of banter between the two of them. It's like literally the only thing you have in his voice and he must have had more answers than like the one or two that you hear. Peel me. I did watch it on YouTube. Isn't it and we weird? We hear it three different times. Yeah, yeah but isn't it weird that, it, that they do that scene three times? It's the only tape that they have. But they but they have the scene setting up the first episode, yeah. and then in episode four, they just describe the thing you already heard in episode one, like to the yeah. minute. It's so weird. I, yeah, and 
I literally, I went and checked to see if I'd like accidentally hit episode one. And I was like, no, this is actually, I was like, what the hell's going on? It's the same with Last Tape, yeah. I don't know. It just, it seemed really, there wasn't a whole lot there. I mean, maybe the story's good. If it is, like, I was not picking up on it. It's like white noise, Toby. That you put on at night when you're trying to relax. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's right. Um, Laura, quick question: Were you surprised at the surprise New Hampshire connection in this story? I was kind of excited. Yeah. So the summer camp. You're I'm excited. like, first of all, I was excited to hear the child molester was actually a camp counselor at a summer camp for girls in New Hampshire. You're excited. Oh, up in George's well, Mills. You know, near yeah, us. George's Mills. But really near I, us. I know. And and Genetics I used to twelve. It's like it's, it's like exit eleven, 14, exit twelve, yeah, up near like yeah. New London. So you I, can, when no, I used to, you pass it on the way to the driver's ed, or we had to take Teddy three times to his driver's yeah, license. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I used to pass it when I was coming um, back to college from Vermont because I had a friend that I'd usually pick up on the way back that wanted you know a ride back to school, and that was like our back way that we would go before we got back on the highway. But there's like nothing there, so you know, oh, Laura, had, you're wrong. There is an incredible antique store there. That's the only well, thing. Though. And a post office. <laughs> Maybe I'll take a road trip since, I mean, there's not much else we're going to be able to do besides drive around and look at stuff for a while. So, I mean, maybe I'll drive up there. I just was like. No, you're not going to be able to drive anywhere in like two days, Laura. Uh, Kill that. Cross it off your tell list. tell me that. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we didn't talk a whole lot about. Uh, when you say two days, is it two days from now or two days from when this drops? I have a strong <laughs> suspicion. Now, I, if this drops Monday and I'm wrong, I'll be grateful, so I don't mind making the guess. I have a strong suspicion by the time this podcast drops, we're going to be in a very different place than we are right now. That's just my suspicion, so I'm just going to make that. Oh, way to go out on a limb. <laughs> Thanks, Rebecca. Things are going to be different. No, they're going to be, I think, a lot different. That's just my guess. We'll talk about it more in the after show. Save it, guys. Okay. Let's do what we do. Let's this let our the listeners daily, know. Rebecca. Let's let our listeners- People want to go and listen to something else. <laughs> Let's let our listeners know. By the way- how are people at home looking for things to listen to going to know what to listen to? This podcast, that's how. This yeah. podcast. Yeah. Laura oh, yeah. Bricker. Or what not to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> thumbs up or thumbs down for the dating game killer from Wondery, Laura Bricker. What do you think? Um, I've got to go with thumbs down. I just honestly, I can't even tell you what I listened to except for a couple clips that I remember because I just... I couldn't follow this. Um, so, you know what? I know we're desperate for things to watch and listen to at this time. But you know what? Unless you're super desperate, skip this. Unless you want to play it at night before you're going to sleep to kind of help you zone out a little bit. Toy Ball, what about you? Thumbs up or thumbs down for the dating game killer from Wondery? Yeah, I'm a thumbs down too. I guess I just didn't get it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I was just listening to it. I'm like, what? Is, what's going on here? Why, why am I listening to this? Like, it, it, it feels like... Like the equivalent of a Wikipedia entry in mm. some ways. So, sorry, thumbs down. Kevin, what about you? I'm a, th a thumbs up, a tepid thumbs up. I'm not wow. a thumbs way up. Wow. Um, I thought that overall I liked the story. It's uh, it's not a criminal case that I knew anything about, so I was open to it. Once I got over what the format was, and I was no longer distracted by that, the fact that it doesn't sound like other things that we normally listen to, I could put that aside and just listen to the writing and the performances and the other elements, and it's okay. It's not stay at home and ignore everything else so you can listen to this podcast, but I thought, yeah. All right. It's okay. <laughs> God, I have such mixed feelings. 
Because like the journalist side of me and the true crime writer in me is like, no, 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 no. Laura and Toby are not wrong. They're not wrong. Yeah, and right. I, and we're not wrong to say that like everything in this podcast wouldn't they be allowed think we're wrong. <laughs> in a book, right? We're not wrong. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to have never done before. Okay. I have not done enough research to be able to like pass judgment on this, like with facts. So I'm just going to say this. Yeah. Who needs facts? All right. So Jeez. if. <laughs> Why are you setting the bar so high? If. This is actually a podcast retelling of a well-reported true crime book. Like, say they adapted material that was existing that was well-reported and sourced, Mm -hmm. and this is the drama treatment of it. I give it a thumbs up. I found it, like, entertaining, sort of trashy fun. If this is just a script that somebody wrote with some information and it's not based on the solid reporting of someone else, or it's based on that but they added a bunch of crap, it's a thumbs down. So, because I don't have any proof that it's the former, I'm going to have to go thumbs down, even though there were times that I found myself guilty pleasure enjoying this podcast. So this is not for me like the thumbs down where I just want to rant for 20 minutes. This is a thumbs down where like, I don't know how this sausage was made. I'm not going to assume it was made well. So I got to give it a thumbs down. I could be persuaded to change my mind if they credited great sources and had all the documentation for how it was done online, sort of like Dan Carlin's hardcore history. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So for me, thumbs down for now, even though I kind of guilty pleasure liked it. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Moving on. Who is this? Well, I don't know why you're asking me. She hasn't lived here since she's 12, so if she owes you money, you're barking up the wrong flagpole. Karen's boyfriend called me last night, asking if I knew where she was. I thought they were just in a fight. I've tried her five times, and each time it's gone straight to voicemail. Mom. He's never called me before. Netflix is out with a dramatized adaptation of the best-selling true crime book and one of my all-time favorite true crime books, Lost Girls. The film centers on Mary Gilbert, the mother of a sex worker who disappeared after being called to a house call on Long Island. At first, Mary encounters resistance from law enforcement seemingly uninterested in a missing Craigslist escort. This is my daughter, Shannon Maria Gilbert. 
There's one here for every day that she's missing, and I'm gonna continue posting these until you either find her or die of paper cuts. Do not ignore me. Nobody is ignoring you, Mrs. Gilbert. I have a talent for holding grudges, and unless you help me, I'm gonna raise more hell than you can handle. And don't you ever fucking call my daughter a prostitute again! But the investigation takes a turn when the bodies of several missing women are discovered on the beaches of the South Shore. Mary teams up with other grieving families to keep the stories in the news, yet still struggles to convince detectives that her still missing daughter is among the serial killer's victims, all while investigating several potential suspects from the surrounding community. How can you say Sean is not connected? She was last seen three miles from the other girls. She was in her 20s just like them. She was small just like them. She was on Craigslist just like them. None of those other girls would have been found if it wasn't for her. It doesn't mean that we're going to stop looking for her, Mrs. Gilbert. Mom, Mom, what about Hackett? Even if he did call you, it's not evidence of guilt. Amy Ryan and Gabriel Byrne star, and the film is directed by Liz Garbus, who brought us the documentary Who Killed Garrett Phillips. The film attempts to tell the story of an unsolved crime while showing the humanity of its victims. We will be giving spoiler alerts for Lost Girls, so to stay spoiler-free, check out the time code listed in our show notes. Now, Toby, you read the book Lost Girls, correct, by Bob Kolker? Yes, it's awesome. It is awesome, and it is expansive and sweeping. But this film chooses to take a more intimate, close-up view of this one mother when she finds out her daughter goes missing. What do you think of that editorial choice in making this dramatized version of Lost Girls? Uh, It is not the choice that I would have made, and I don't think it's a very good one. I, I guess I have some thoughts about why maybe it ended up being that way, but it took what I thought... You know, it's a great book. It's very insightful. It's written with a lot of compassion for the victims. And it's really, I mean, for people who haven't read it or or don't know much about it, it it really follows, it's four or five young women who are sort of in the new world of, you know, sex work uh, where they use the internet. It's like internet facilitated sex work. So instead of having like, be, being on a street or, or whatever, being like a call girl, you put ads in, in Craigslist or, or Backpage or whatever. And, you know, it, it's about how these, these women, um, their lives, and then they disappear uh, and then are, are found dead. And, and so it's, it's really interesting. And, and I thought when you were reading the, the summary of this movie, where you're talking about honoring the victims or whatever, you know, I didn't get that at all from this. Like, there's almost nothing about the girls or the young women who are really the focus of the book. You know, it, it changes the focus from being on these young women who are trying to sort of make their way in this profession. And they all have these circumstances that that make this, you know, one of their few avenues out. And that seems completely missing from this movie, which, quite honestly, it, it seems like kind of a paint by numbers. Yeah. And there's almost nothing from the book that makes it into the movie except for a few details about the mother and this this group of other mothers and and relatives who meet to look into it. But a lot even even the sort of sketchy guys who hang out in that little beach town are really interesting characters and, and sort of have an air of the sinister about them in the book mm. that they really don't in the movie. 
And I, I just, I couldn't figure out why they didn't spend more time with that. I was super disappointed and I'm sort of at a loss as to why it ended up the way it did, given the source material. It's interesting that you should mention the location, Toby, and the people who live there. Because to me, you know, as somebody from Long Island, the fact that these crimes took place in and around the Gilgo Beach area is one of the most interesting things about them. Now, they don't get into this in the movie at all, and I don't know why, because it is one of the most interesting aspects of the book. But if you live on the south shore of Long Island, um, you know Gilgo Beach is this very odd community. Uh, it is not like the Hamptons where it's like multi-billionaires, you know, living in these like ritzy beachside houses. Mm-hmm. This is a community on the beach and there's nothing around it. It's sort of on this barrier island and it's pristine and beautiful. The state owns the land on which the houses sit. Mm. So what ends up happening is that you get these people who are not. I mean, there are some wealthy people there. It's a gated community. But there are also some, like, cops who live there, some, like, you know, like, like you know, like a plumber who's been in business his whole life could live there. It's not like a Tony, like, it's just a weird little cloistered space. And it ends up having, in real life, a couple of very viable suspects living right in this little place. They don't explore that at all in the film. And they also don't explore in the film another thing about the place this happened, which is that the police department in Suffolk County had a history of corruption and a lot of disinformation around this case not explored at all. Instead, we have this like Gabriel Byrne character who can't even like not do his Irish accent for four seconds. Oh, no, but but that's actually... The real life person was from Ireland. It was still weird, though. Yeah, that, that anyway. That was also not explained. Yes, was that wasn't weird. explained. Yes. Anyways, not explored. But Laura, I mean, one of the things I kept finding myself wondering is that another fictionalized true crime thing on Netflix that we saw a few months ago, one of the greatest things we ever reviewed, was Unbelievable. Yeah. Which was a multi-part series. How many parts was Unbelievable, Kevin? It was like six parts. Yeah, it was long. Might have been Eight. Than that. Yeah. Could have been. Um, based on an article. A true, like a yeah. true crime article. This is a, a true crime book that is long. Yeah. And they condensed it to this very short film instead of giving it a multi-part treatment. And we often complain that Netflix things are too long. But do you think the length was right for this or that it should have been longer? Well, so I didn't read the book. I do remember when this case happened. I remember on the news when they found the bodies on the beach and, and it was out there pretty visible when, when their bodies were first discovered. So I'm coming into it from a little bit of a different angle in terms of my like pre-existing knowledge because I didn't read that book. But I did feel like it was just sort of lacking in terms of like the storyline of the other victims. Like we we saw their families, you know, obviously we're following Mary and her family because um, she ends up being sort of like the leader of things. But I felt like, you know, how many times have we watched, like you said, something on Netflix and it's like, okay, they totally should have just done like four episodes and been done with this. And it's like eight episodes and you're like struggling to get through it just because they're dragging it out. And here, I guess I don't understand. I mean, who knows what went into the decision making, but it seems like they had ample research already done on this case from this book where they very easily could have then used that to, you know, tell more of the stories. Because I was curious, like, who are these girls? How did they, you know, get into this work? How did they end up working there? And I had no idea about that community, Rebecca. When I saw the gated community, I'm thinking, oh, this is like, a wealthy community. And that also made me a little more suspicious about like what's going on there, like in this community that's high, you know, so 
I definitely think they could have made it longer. And, you know, there would have been plenty of information to keep people's interest. You know, what I just keep hearing in the previous review in this one is us complaining about the format versus the story and whether the format is right for the story whether this as opposed to whether this is a good story for the format. What do you format. think? Is the story? Well, I mean, I don't. If you don't think, know anything about the book. I, what do you think of this movie? Well, I can tell you what I think about the movie, but I'm not going to give it thumbs down because it's not a six part series on yeah. Netflix. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? No, I, I don't get think, it. I, I think that I don't think that that's a but fair did, d- criticism. It, if you read the book, I think you feel that, differently about this movie. Well, than I'm you sure there's the greater book. source material. Yeah, but the selection was to go with a dramatized version of it, of one tiny part of it. <clears throat> Of, uh, sure, not of the sure, whole thing. of one tiny part of it, sure. But just because it wasn't, we're going to do a documentary about it, doesn't mean it's... Now, if you want to criticize whether it's a bad movie... That's what we're going to talk about I will give next. you that. Okay. But, I, but I'm not going to say, oh, well, it should have been this, so that that's the reason why it's bad. I think it's only fair game, though, because Bob Kolker's book is a modern classic. It is so, sure. so and good. And Bob didn't write this movie. No. So here's my question for you. Bob got to go to all the parties. Yeah. I thought... Amy Ryan gives a great performance in the film. I don't think no you can doubt. deny that she gives a great performance in everything. No she's doubt. Uh, you know, the, some of the filmmaking stuff was really strong. But I think this movie felt like an after-school special. It didn't feel like something that brought me anywhere in particular other than sort of exploring like the fight of a mother in a way that we've seen in a million other dramatized versions of stories like this, where my child was wronged and nobody believes me. My child's a victim and nobody believes me. I'm a victim and nobody believes me. Kevin, are you going to make a case that I'm wrong? Do you think this was a better movie than I think it was? I probably think it's a little better than you think. I don't think you think this is a good movie at all. Um, I I mean, I think it does have its problems. So some of the the scenes and some of the characters feel a little two dimensional. Like I'm thinking of that scene in the empty diner where all the families get together and everybody seems like there's one type. There's a you know an archetype. Yeah. Maybe we should go around. I'm Missy. I drove in from Connecticut for my sister Maureen. It's so good to finally meet all of you in person. Uh, Lorraine, my uh, my daughter's Megan. I sold my TV to be here for Maine. So I have the cash to stay here until the vigil. Sorry I'm late, y'all. We were just going around introducing ourselves, where we're from, who we've lost. Uh, okay. Kim, North Carolina. Um, I like Rocky Road ice cream and long walks on the beach. And my sister was Amber. You know, and uh, again, I'm the tough old again, broad. I, I didn't read the book. I know you guys did. I don't know if that scene actually occurred. And... Um, you know, you give dramatic license in a docudrama like this for those kinds of scenes. But I just kind of felt like it just seemed a little too convenient mm. and that everybody was just sort of a different color in the crayon box. Mm. You get one of everybody in this salad of, of sanguineness. Uh, and then, you know, the sister is like, oh, I'm going to go out and I'm going to turn tricks, too, because it's all my life is. It just felt like uh, with, with these people in real life, because then you can say, well, okay, sure, then I guess that makes sense, but some of it seems, you know, it's kind of the, if it didn't happen, you wouldn't believe it kind of thing. Yeah. You know, the sister ends up killing the mother later. Yeah. I'm not talking about- Oh, sorry. The, I'm not the talking about Mari's daughter. Yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah. about okay. the sister, one of the victims. Yeah. Remember, she storms yeah. out of the motel. Yeah, yeah, never like mind. she's going to go, yeah. Yeah, and she does go. Like, in, in the book, that, that is an issue, is that she does go back. Yeah. Then that's not a bad way of, sh- of telling that note yeah. to get it in, 
but uh, I think probably trying to do too much, you know, with the story. Well, I want to talk about the crime and the way that it's portrayed in the movie, because uh, this is an it's a very interesting crime story. In so far as that, the reason that there is a Long Island serial killer story is because there are all these bodies, right? There isn't necessarily agreement that they were all killed by the same person. That they, I mean, there's, there's some disagreement on that. Some people think that, like, Joel Rifkin, the convicted serial killer, may have been responsible for some of these murders. Uh, there's just disagreement about whether or not there even is a serial killer, and that's in large part because of the marginalization of the victims. But, Toby, one of the things that I'm curious about is that Shannon, who is the victim that they choose to sort of focus on in this movie... There is stuff that is known about her, what happened to her that night and so far as that she did have like a series of phone calls with her driver and stuff. Is it clear to you in the film that she was the victim of a crime or do they not? I mean, I felt like they didn't really flesh out enough, like we weren't present in that scene enough to really kind of get an understanding of what could have happened to her. Yeah, I mean, that was of the many problems with this movie. One of them is, is that if that's going to be the central crime that's going to be investigated and that's why she died, you get little pieces of it, but it doesn't make much of a picture. And again, I don't quite get it because the source material makes for sort of this very chaotic, disturbing scene in this guy's house. And they kind of hint at it, but they don't really get to it. So you don't really know. I mean, it just seems like she runs out of his house, runs down the street, runs into the bushes, and that's it. And that's not really what had happened. Uh, so again, I don't know why they why they simplified it. Because if the thing is to make this into a, you won't tell me what happened to my daughter, you know, take this seriously type of thing... You know, if if that's a choice, like, why wouldn't you make the circumstances of her disappearance be as tangible as possible mm. instead of even the way you get it is from a few different, you know, little snippets of uh, the driver talking. And then there's a little bit of the opening clip of her running with a car chasing her, it looks like, for some reason. So, yeah, I mean, it, it just it, it, it was kind of vague. Mm. You know, you, you didn't have to call this movie Lost Girls. I mean, you didn't have to associate it with that book. It, it seemed like kind of a paint by numbers thing. And you threw in a few names and a couple of situations. But otherwise, it doesn't you didn't have to use Lost Girls to come up with this movie. Mm. I think it is in Hollywood and crime. Yeah, <laughs> Laura. Um, Picked it from 50 nameless places. Laura, there is sort of a lack of resolution in the story. I mean, it's inherent in the real life story and that it is still an unsolved case. But in this story, as Toby said, we don't really explore the doc Dr. Hackett stuff. We don't really explore the other neighbors fully. We don't really explore, you know, the stories of the other girls. Do you find that lack of resolution of any of the threads dissatisfying? Yes. Um, I was frustrated because I felt like... I mean, this is a horrible crime. You watch all these people band together. I was kind of hoping at the end that I would at least, you know, have that sort of epilogue that's like, this is where the case is. These are who the suspects are or something. But it was just sort of the epilogue was like the super depressing. By the way, she got killed by her other daughter who's schizophrenic and, you know, end of story. So I was frustrated. Um, but I mean, that is sort of the nature of some of these cases, you know, that, you know, they're hard to investigate and they're hard to, you know, I went online today because I was curious again. I was like, what is going on with this case? Is there any sort of, you know, direction that, that they didn't sort of talk about? You know, I just sort of hoped at the end that I would have some sort of a sense of, you know, where things were going. But I just kind of felt like uh, it sounds like it's kind of just 
on hold for now. Um, so that was that was a little bit frustrating because I, I did feel after, you know, all the activism on the part of the families to actually get these cases taken seriously, it would have been nice to see something come from that. You know, I was not 100% comfortable with how they handled the suspect, Dr. Dr. Hackett, Hackett, because Liz Garber, who's the director, did sort of something similar in Who Killed Garrett Phillips, Mm -hmm. too, where, remember, they have that cop? Yeah. And that, where they kind of just race right up to the edge of calling somebody else a killer, but just kind of like run there, but don't get all the way there but kind of leave you wondering, like not far enough to say, you've libeled me and you've slandered me and you've made an accusation against me, but but to start like getting you close there and not resolving it? Well, not backing it up, because here's the thing. I know we're trying to just review the movie on its merits. Bob Colker backs it up. The book yeah. makes a very compelling, there's more than one suspect in this case, and they are all very compelling suspects for very different reasons. Like, right, Toby? Like, there are two. I remember there being, like, two very strong suspects. Bob Kolker's reporting backs it up. So would this have been a better movie if you didn't read the book? I think And then this, wonder about the book I think this would have hours? been a better movie if it were if it were given. So, because, like, I hadn't read the Unbelievable article for years. Mm-hmm. And that dramatization was great because they gave all of the pieces of the reporting, the service that they needed dramatically to sort of understand and you sort of had the sense even if you hadn't read the article like you understood why the police did this why this person was in the frame and this and that and this didn't do it the same service that the real life journalism did and that's and I don't think that you don't have to read the book what the comment you just made is an illustration that she went up to the line and you know put Mm -hmm. him in the frame that's an illustration that it's just not a it's not a well made thing. You don't have to have not read the book or not to know that. You just knew it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just even sticking with that, if he's like the big suspect, the big showdown with him lasts about thirty seconds. Yeah. You know, you're building up to this big moment where the mother of the victim and the person she thinks is probably the perpetrator, like the big showdown, and it's like thirty seconds, and he puts his hand on, on her shoulder, which is kind of creepy. But that's it. Yeah. I mean, her daughter was in his house. He admits that. Again, like, I hate to keep going back to the book. There's so much about him that is so sketchy in the book that would have been so easy to just put into this movie. Yep. And they just don't do it. Yeah. They don't do it. I don't understand why. Yeah. Strange choices. All right. Well, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know. If they haven't yet, should they check out Lost Girls on Netflix? This is a dramatic film adapted from Bob Kulker's all-time great true crime book, which if you have not read, I cannot recommend highly enough, and neither can Toby. Laura Bricker, I'm going to start with you. Thumbs up or thumbs down for Lost Girls? Well, you know, so I didn't read the book. Uh, So I went into this blind. I knew a little bit about the case from just watching general like cable news when when the bodies were discovered. So I actually liked it. I mean, there was things that were frustrating to me about the, you know, the ending and some of the things that happened throughout. But overall, I mean, it was like what? It was like an hour and a half long. So it was it was definitely uh, something that you know, I watched and I was like, okay, yeah, there's some stuff that I, I did want to know some additional information. I think if I had read the book, it sounds like from the discussion of Rebecca and Toby, I would have not liked this, but I, I actually liked it. Toby Ball, what about you? Uh, I didn't like it at all. I think even if I had not read the book, it just seemed kind of run of the mill. So yeah, but just read the book. <laughs> I, you know, The book is so good. You can listen to you can listen to we had a great discussion about it on uh, the deep dive. So you can listen to that too. It's not the worst thing ever made, but it's just a huge missed opportunity. 
And, you know, I, I it just kind of seems like sort of dime a dozen. Kevin Flynn. I'm, I'm with Laura. I'm a, th- a thumbs up. Not a big thumbs up, but I think that yeah, I can't sit here and say I was asked to review chicken and I'm going to say it's too bad it wasn't steak. Yeah. You know, we were asked to review a, a movie. And so I'm not bogged down by the book. And yeah, maybe it would have been better served in a different format, but this is what we have. This is the movie we deserve. Mm. And it's okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, you you can't deny that uh, Amy Ryan did not give a fantastic performance. She always does. And it's difficult when the case is unsolved in real life. It means you can't solve it on the screen either. So it has some weaknesses, but overall, I think if you're home and you don't have anything to do, I think it's okay to watch. Yeah, I really hate to do this because I just I don't want Bob Colker to know I said it because I love him so much. But anyway, uh, I have to give this a thumbs down. I didn't particularly enjoy watching it. It doesn't even live up to the premise of the title. It's called Lost Girls, and it focuses on you know one of the victims instead of the totality of the victims. This is, let's face it, one of the most interesting unsolved serial killing cases in America, and the choice to just take it to a point where we're only telling it through one lens was a misstep. And I also don't think it was done well. I'm not just saying that because I read the book. I just, it felt a little after school, especially to me. That's just how I felt the whole time I was watching it. And there were just some, you know, very sloppy details. You know, we have New Yorkers saying it was in Long Island. Nobody says that. It was on Long Island. I know you think I'm being picky, Kevin, but that is a very easy thing that anybody in the writer's room could have just corrected in the script. And that was one of many things like that that just sort of stuck out to me. Uh, And I'll just say it again. Read or listen to Bob Kolker's Lost Girls. It is one of the greatest modern true crime books written. It is fantastic. You'll learn so much. You'll feel so much empathy for all the victims. And you'll be drawn into an unsolved case that has a couple of really fascinating suspects. This movie does not do it justice, so I cannot give it a thumbs up. So for me, Lost Girls is a thumbs down. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime Crime of of the week. week. I love this one. I haven't even seen this before. You wrote it and I didn't see it. A Canadian woman took to the internet to report that the bar of soap she has been using to wash her hands for the past week is actually 
a block of cheese. Yeah. She admits a night of drinking may have been the cause of her forgetting she left the late night snack on the counter and confusing it with her regular hand cleaner. The cheese block does bear a striking resemblance to a bar of Dial Gold or Life Buoy, but we don't believe you'd get that same fresh scent from 20 seconds of hot water and a block of cheddar. Mm. So, Laura Bricker, I'm going to ask you this question along with the rest of the panel. Solve this mystery. What actually happened to her actual bar of soap? Um, It was stolen by her friend who wasn't able to buy any toilet paper because they were all sold out. (laughs) (laughs) Toy Ball, what do you think happened to this bar of soap that was replaced by a block of cheese? Taco Tuesdays. Ah. (laughs) What about you, Kevin? I don't know, but the guacamole smells like Irish spring. I was going to say grilled soap sandwiches, man. Ah. Grilled soap sandwiches. All right, we should probably get on on that note before we do. Laura Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? So I've got two things to talk about on my cat of the week segment. We've got, um, obviously, Briscoe has joined the Flynn Lavoy family over there. Our crime writers on dog. Yes, Mm. Briscoe. Briscoe is very cute. Um, oh, no, he's not very cute, Lara. He's the cutest dog that's ever been dogged. Okay, he's the cutest dog ever, and I don't even like dogs. Yeah. I'm sorry. And if you read the book, you'd like it even more. He's been, <laughs> well, I've watched the video. This is. I'm sorry he's been overshadowed because I can't stop watching the video of Arnold Schwarzenegger with the donkey and the mini horse. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Lulu and Whiskey. I am giving a shout-out because... You know what? We all need something in this time, which is very uncertain and stressful. That's kind of entertaining to take our mind off everything. And this video, if you haven't seen it yet, Arnold Schwarzenegger has brought Lulu and Whiskey, the mini horse and the donkey inside his house as he's talking about social distancing. And he says they just had their vegan food. And aren't we having a vegan food? Yeah. Aren't we having a good time eating here together? And I just, oh my God, I can't stop watching the video. I just keep watching it over and over. And now there's a new one of Arnold out in the hot tub with a cigar. And now he's got a little dog. So, um, I mean, it just on and on. So Lulu and Do you and guys whiskey. remember when it turned out that Arnold had a love child with his housekeeper? <laughs> yes. Do you remember when people wanted to change the rules to run for president? So you didn't have to be an American citizen so Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. could run? I'm just saying. Now I'm in the hot tub with a cigar (laughs) and a dog. It's the best thing I've seen all week. So, um, yeah, that's my cat of the week this week. Thank you, Laura. I will be out there with my dog doing push-ups. Obviously, Laura hasn't seen the video of the dog singing along to the Law & Order song yet. No. All right, Laura Bricker, (laughs) folks want to send you their nominations for cat of the week, especially if they're dogs. How can they find you on Twitter? At Laura Bricker. And Toya Ball, folks want to reach out to you and see the amazing videos that you post of fans dancing at basketball games. How can they find you on Twitter? At Toya Ball NH. And Kevin Flynn, if folks want to reach out to you and say thank you, Kevin Flynn, for allowing your wife to fill the dog-shaped hole in her heart and getting Briscoe the puppy. How can they find you on Twitter? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On. And I encourage you to join our community on Facebook on our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. We also have a regular old Facebook page and you can watch our live videos there as well. Support the show on Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. You'll get the Crime Writers On after show right now. Plus, Married with Podcast, Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcast, and Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast. Our theme song was performed by the New York Sky Jazz Ensemble and used with permission. 
Our line editor is the very handsome and newly bearded Henry Lavoie. Our social media and newsletter maven is fellow Taco Bell stan Meredith Plunkett. This show was recorded in the yoga loft about the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement, where we only pretend we've won a pair of jet skis and an all-expense-paid trip to Puerto Vallarta. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. later. Feel free to cut that entire thing out, Henry, for the love of God. <laughs> Do not include that. There will be legal action taken. <laughs> He's here, by the way, and he has a beard. It's so fucking weird. Moving. There's be a lot of people with beards I know. coming up. He came home from college with a beard. It's like my little boy turned into a oily bohunk. Lumberjack. Mayor <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pete has a beard now. It's freaking me out. Yeah, well, he has nothing else to do. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Partners in Crime Media. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.